And the church is trying to get us to start thinking about um, preparing for Christ's coming. And so to be a Christian is to live Christ's life. Uh, he was basically the role model of all human beings. Um, and that's why St. Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So that's sort of the, the final outcome that we're looking for. And so once he comes to earth, we see how he lived and what he did, and we, we follow him, and we, we try to model our life after him. And that's what discipleship is all about, and sort of what we're all called to be as, as Christians. Um, so today's gospel is a very interesting scene, and you can read it here. Great multitudes were with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, his own life, he cannot be my disciple. So it's, it's interesting. Like You have large crowds following you, your Christ. They're listening to you. You have these amazing words that no one's ever spoken before. You're doing miraculous things. You're healing them. You're removing, casting out demons. You're feeding them miraculously. You're loving them. You're caring for them. You're healing them and listening to them, forgiving them, and seeing them as people. And this is the first time a leader ever treated people like this. You know, the Pharisees weren't the nicest. And they love you back, you know, for this. In fact, um, you know, at one point, uh, they wanted to take Christ and make him king by force, right? So they, 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 love, they love Christ, and he loves them. And, you know, to use it, uh, an American expression, you have them eating out of your hand, right? And then you turn around and you drop this. Do you guys want to follow me? Well, you need to hate your mother and your father, your wife, your husband, your children, and hate yourself. It's just dead silence. I'm sure they just kind of looked at him like, what'd you just say? It's like he was intentionally trying to shock the crowd. And of course, Jesus here is speaking, he's using hyperbole. He's, he's making an extreme and intentionally ridiculous analogy. He's going, saying something very harsh. Um, but he's trying to make this extreme comparison of how we're supposed to love God. And it's a very different view of Christianity than the one that gets practiced sometimes. You know, Jesus was explaining to them that his kingdom wasn't all about getting stuff. You know, the day after the miracle of the five loaves and the two fish, he also said something kind of harsh to the people who were looking for him. Do you remember what he said? He said, very truly I say to you, you are looking for me because you ate of the loaves and had your fill. So when the crowds were looking for him then, he turned to them and he also said, you're just looking for me because I fed you and you want to eat again and the food was free. And so I don't want you following me because I give you free food and free health care. And sometimes we like this idea, this idea of a prosperity gospel, which is it's common in the United States. You ask God for the things that you want and he gives them to you. And that's, of course, if you do all the right things and you go to church on time and you do all the right things. And if you do all the things, God will give you what you want. He'll help my family. He'll help my wife. He'll get me, help me get a job. He'll help me get promoted. He'll help me get a car or a house or whatever the case may be. And so then you have to ask yourself, if that's why I'm following Christ, then who is it that I really love? And the answer is I love myself and God's going to get me stuff. So I'm going to do all the things I need to do to get to those things. And so today, Christ is sort of shifting the narrative a little bit. Uh, and the language is tough to hear, but there's a great paradox here. On the one hand, he tells us, love your enemies. And on the other hand, we're supposed to hate our families and ourselves. And how does this make any sense? 
And so let's quickly explore the word hate in this, in this context. And of course, it's right for us to love our families, and we want them to love and follow God. And in the Gospel, Jesus confirmed the fifth commandment, that we honor our mother and father. And so Jesus' statement here that we hate father and mother must be seen in a relation like to the whole of Scripture. His point is not that we be heartless towards our families, only that we must love him more. And so other translations, you know, Jesus' meaning is a little bit more clear. It says, if you want to be my disciple, you must hate everyone else by comparison. In another translation, it says that a follower of Christ must hate in the sense of relative disregard for them in comparison with his attitude towards God. So it's a hatred by comparison, not an absolute hatred. And so this is about communicating a preference. And the Aramaic expression used was to prioritize. Uh, He was teaching them what is more important and what is less important. But it also means that we need to be careful when our relationship, when our relationships stand in the way of loving God. And we have to be wary not to let something get in the way of our relationship with God. Whenever anyone prevents us from God, from coming to him, or when they stand in the way of him being beneficial to us, and then it becomes very clear that he means this, right? Because then he says, and hate yourselves, right? And he isn't telling us to kill ourselves, but he wants us to hate the parts of us that prevent us from going to him. So there's parts of us that we just have to work on. And we have to denounce these desires of the soul that separate us from God. And that's the important message that we have to take away from today's gospel. It's how we are meant to live. So let's go back to what he said. He said, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything, you cannot be my disciples. And that's really tough stuff. The other time Jesus spoke about being a disciple is in the gospel of John. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. And so you must also love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. Okay, now that's the one I'm used to, right? I'm used to the love Jesus, right? If you love one another, then people will know that you're my disciple. But here, he's almost contradicting himself. And he's saying, no, 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 it's, it's a bit more involved than that. And so that's another paradox that we're, looking at, we're facing now. Christ says that people will know that you're to his disciples by love. But today he puts down a different condition. He says you have to carry your cross. So let's kind of think about this for a little bit. Why did Jesus have to die? Well, we all die. And as a human, he goes through what all of us go through. But why did he have to get crucified? Because we all get crucified. And in my opinion, today's readings is one of the most important proclamations of the Christian gospel and how the Christian is called to live. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, we could thought, you know, that I thought the most important thing was to love my neighbor. I thought that was the real important, really Christian principle. After all, when Jesus was speaking to the lawyers, that's what came up. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. True, but now we get a little bit more clarity on how this is supposed to work. Because there's an order to things. Carry the cross and then show love to everyone. But first, carry the cross. You see, loving your neighbor 
It's not something we struggle with. It's something we have to become. It's have, something we have to, that just comes out of us. It's an outcome of a much deeper process, something more hidden. You know, when we think of the spiritual life, we think of it like an iceberg. There's this whole big thing underneath the surface of the ocean that we can't see, and then we can only see the tip. And that tip is loving one another. But that whole part that's underneath the surface, all the work that goes into being a Christian, that's this other part. That's the deny yourself and carry your cross. And that's where the work happens. And so there are many crosses we have to carry. And then we are crucified on those crosses. And then as a, as a result, a part of us dies. Recently, someone was treating, talking to me about how his wife was treating him and talking to him. And he didn't like it. <laughs> he said, you know, she was talking to him in such a way. And, and so when he told me what she was saying, my reaction was, yeah, wives are allowed to say that, and you've you got to kind of get used to it. And so you're really not going to change her, is what I told him. I said, what you need to do is you need to crucify the part of you that reacts to that. You have to kill that part that jolts. And if you look deeply, every time we have an argument with anyone or someone says something that bothers us or someone says something we don't like, if we look deeply as to what's really going on, why did we really, really get bothered? It's always the same answer. It's my ego. She shouldn't have talked to me like that. He shouldn't have said that to me. They shouldn't have treated me like this. And if I look deeply, it's all the same sin. It's the ego. How do I know? Because that's the only sin. That's why Satan fell. Pride, the ego. It's all the sins are just one sin. And so sometimes we kind of get involved in, in, in this and we think to ourselves, well, I need to pray for, for her, right? I need to pray that God change her and make her something else. And really what I'm saying is I don't want to, to carry a cross. I don't want to deal with someone I don't like. I don't want to, you know, um, suck it up. I would much rather God change her, right, and fix her or fix my boss or fix my mother-in-law you know, that's, what, that's who needs fixing. And in fact, what Christ is telling us today is, the, is the, the rhythm of Christianity isn't that. It's deny yourself, carry your cross, and then follow me. And so whenever we have a cross in our life, it isn't the other person. It's revealing to you something in you, something you have to work on. That's what a cross is. It's a weakness in yourself that has to be overcome. And that's the part of you that you have to crucify. A part of the old man, the selfish man, the self-centered man. And that's what Jesus meant when he said, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And that's the kernel of wheat. There's a beautiful story about St. Macarius and he, some a pilgrim came to him and says, St. Macarius, how do I get saved? And he said, I want you to go, and I know many of you heard this story, but it's worth repeating. I want you to go to the tombs, and I want you to praise the people who are in the tombs, the dead people, in the middle of the night. So this man went to the tombs in the middle of the night, and, you know, it's kind of eerie and quiet, and he starts praising all of these dead people. You guys were saints, and you guys were amazing, and you guys were so holy, and you guys were so wonderful. And then St. Macary said, I want you to listen to what they say to, say to you. So then after he said all these things and praised them, he listened very intently and he heard nothing. 
So he went back to St. Macarius, and St. Macarius said, what did they say? He said, they said nothing. He said, okay, now tonight, I want you to go and I want you to curse them, and I want you to tell me what they say. So he went that night, and he just started cursing up a storm. There's no one around, and he starts screaming at them and yelling at them and telling, saying all these horrible things about them. And then he stopped, and he listened, and there was crickets. So he went back to St. Macarius and said, what's the deal? You know, what'd you hear? And he said, I didn't hear anything again. And he goes, perfect. I want you to be just like those dead people. When people praise you, you don't react. And when people curse you, you don't react. You learn to be dead to the world and dead to the reactions of people. And I know that this is tough to do, especially when it comes from someone who we love and loves us. Those are the words that hurt the most. And that's why at the end of this gospel, he gives us a warning. He says, for which of you intending to build a tower does not count the cost of the tower? And which of you going to fight another army does not look at with 10,000, I can beat 20,000? What's he saying? He's saying, this is an endeavor. And if you want to do this, there's a cost to this. This isn't easy. This is hard to do. So before you just willy-nilly say, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm in, I'm going to go do all the things, think about it. Because with this decision, the decision to be Christ-like, a decision like that comes with a cost, and the cost is it hurts. And what Christ wants us to do is to think about what we're getting ourselves into. Because like the book of Revelation says, you're neither hot nor cold. Your deeds were neither hot nor cold, so I spit you out of my mouth. And Christianity is like that. It is, as St. Maria of Paris says, it's either fire or it's nothing. There's no middle. There's no, I kind of come to church, I kind of do stuff. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. If you want to build the building, there's a cost. There's an investment you have to make. And this is that investment. We deny ourselves and we carry our cross before we can follow him. And Christ spoke these words out of an abundance of experience. He certainly counted the cost of being obedient to his father. He knew what he was getting himself into, and that's why he was telling his disciples, look, this is the deal. This is how it ends for me. This is how it ends for you. Crucifixion, and then hopefully resurrection. So going back to the verse, deny yourself, carry your cross, and follow me. The last one is the one we always think of, follow me, be like me, do acts of mercy like me, acts of love like me. And that's the last one we talk about, but it turns out you can't do the last one until you've done the first two. It's easy to talk love. That's easy. It's much harder to do love and to be love. And it turns out that the secret to loving others is actually in denying ourselves and carrying our cross. So we sometimes we get so used to having our way and we can't even imagine not getting our way or at least not wanting to get our way. Like we live our lives trying to get our way. That's what we do. We manipulate people into getting our way. We trick people. We, we tell people things that we get our way. We do the things that we want to do. But it turns out it's actually better to give up on that quest. And what happens when you do give up on that quest? The quest to always get your way. What happens when we actually deny ourselves? Well, the first thing is, I might actually hear someone speak for a change. 
So you can't really listen and you can't make space for someone else if you just keep talking about yourself and for yourself and think about yourself. So you have to listen for real, not just wait for someone to stop speaking so that you can interject and give your opinion, which is something, unfortunately, we do a lot of these days. And so when you deny yourself, you actually find there's an opening for someone else to come into your life. And we've all had moments when we did that where we just stopped and listened and saw the other person for what they were. And when we did, we found out there's just so much more to life than just ourselves. There's so many things to discover, so many people to know, infinite stories to learn. So denying yourself, it turns out, is the road to freedom. It's the road to living life, as Christ said, more abundantly. And when you deny yourself, you actually become open to having Christ come inside you and dwell inside you. There's an expression that goes, as long as you're full of yourself, you can't be filled with Christ. And so we kind of follow the words of St. John the Baptist when he says, he must increase and I must decrease. This is the lifelong struggle of the Christian. And this is the cost that Christ talks about today. Whosoever saves his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will find it. These are Jesus' words. So the last thing I want to talk about is the other way we can deny ourselves. When you come home from school or from work, when you're in the middle of something, when you're at other, some other stressful time in your life and you just don't feel like doing something that someone else needs done, that is the exact moment to do it. That is the exact moment to deny yourself. When you're the most tired, when you're the most frustrated, when you're the most upset, it's when you just had it. You're too frazzled, too annoyed, too ready to abandon this crazy life. Go live on a desert island. You're just done. And that's the moment when you should find someone else's need and fill it. Because that's when you're actually denying yourself. Because it's easy to give to people when you're full, when I'm happy, when I'm content, when I'm not hungry, when I have time. That's easy. And usually you don't have to go find that need of other people. It just shows up on your face, right? Shows up right before your face. When you're the most frustrated is right when that person shows up and says, hey, hey, do you mind uh, just coming over really quick and helping me out? Do you mind doing this for me? And you're just like, yeah, I really mind, actually, a lot. But Christ is giving us a chance to deny ourselves and take up our cross. And in doing so, follow him. It's the best kind of life. It's joyful and it's simple. And when, you, when your life isn't about filling your own desires, and it just becomes very simple, right? You're always thinking about the need of the person in front of you. And you want to meet those needs through prayer, through actions, through kindness, through a good word, through a smile. Whatever it takes, become Christ to the other person. And you want to become Christ to those around you. Just as Christ was with his disciples, he walked with them, he talked with them, showered them with love, ate with them, drank with them, lived with them, sacrificed for them, and eventually died for them. This is what Christ taught us, and this is what Christ showed us. And so if you feel like being a true Christian means being hardcore, throwing ourselves into learning things at church, then we have missed what Christianity actually is. It's not about being hardcore and learning. 
It's about denying yourself, taking up your cross, and becoming his disciple, and following Jesus just like he said to follow him. And when you're like Christ, other people want to be like Christ. They'll be drawn to him in you. And the only way to become like him is to deny yourself and take up your cross. I'll read to you a a quote by St. John Cassian. So his icon is up in the chapel, if you haven't noticed it. He's the one who's pointing at the monks because he wrote their story. And so he's sort of telling their story. When we hear, um, he says, just as a crucified person cannot move as he pleases. So you imagine someone who's crucified. The person who's crucified can't move, right? He's pinned to the cross. So we must guide our will and desires not to that which pleases us and which flatters our lusts, but to the law of the Lord with whom we have been crucified. And like a person who is nailed to the cross, does not think about the present and the objects of his passion, does not care about the future, does not want possessions, is not proud, does not argue, is not jealous, does not mourn about the present, does not remember past offenses. So he's saying when you're on a cross, you don't think about those things. He considers himself dead for all that is material and thinks only where he will go in a couple of moments. So when you're crucified, the only thing you're thinking about is where you're about to go and where he will be in a few minutes. So we nailed to the fear of the Lord must die for everything. That is not only for carnal vices, but also all the worldly things. So I just want to end with saying every time we hear the words of Christ, deny yourself, take up your cross, we shouldn't hear some very painful, heavy commandment. We should hear it as an invitation, an invitation to freedom, an invitation to love, invitation to being changed, to be more like him, and to be able to offer that beautiful service to all those around us. And glory be to God forever.